Gotta shave that beard, son. Welcome, everyone, and pull up a seat at the table. It's lunchtime in Rome. Tonight, we have episode 101, entitled A Career of Comfort. For the first time in a while, we have a guest. Retired Brigadier General Chaplain Robert F. Pleszkowski is joining us to talk about his perspective on giving and teaching comfort through all of his years in the Army. First-time listeners, subscribe on your favorite podcast app or listen directly on lunchtimeinrome.com. While there, you can take our relational needs questionnaire... Make sure to follow us on all social media, and if you can, give us a five-star review. Jay, what specifically is this podcast about? No matter who you are, at some point in time in your life, you will feel alone. Being alone is as bad as anything gets. If things are great, but you feel alone, they're not as good as they could be. And if things are bad and you're alone, well, things just got so much worse. There is a Bible verse, Romans twelve fifteen, which states, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. That is how you keep people from feeling alone and what this podcast is really all about. Each week we go over what's good or bad in our lives, along with some food talk, to model rejoicing and mourning. We then hit the main topic and finish with some do-betters and can't-do-betters as well. So while it may not be 1215 in Rome, we're treating it like it is. Lunchtime in Rome. Megan Space. <laughs> So I will start off this round table here. And, and again, we do welcome you. This, we're so glad that you're here. Seat around the table. Um, we just really want you to understand that this is your table too. Um, and so one of the things that we do, like we said, is good and bads. Um, I do want to introduce Bob. If you are watching on Facebook, this is Bob. He's right here. <laughs> and um, he's got some amazing stories and, and lots of good things to talk about. We hope so. Ah, he better. No, no pressure. Um, but before we get into that, and uh, we're going to do our goods and bads, my good would be upcoming weekend. Like, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. Um, I, I have hockey tomorrow night like I normally do. Um, it's an hour earlier, so instead of 10.30 start, it's 9.30 start. Um, oh, you'll like be daylight, home early. Daylight savings hockey yeah, or something. It's, it's, uh, daylight savings hockey. That's right. <laughs> Um, so that's good. And then, you know, we've got some other plans among some friends here. We're going to go shooting. Chris is going to go shooting with us. We're going to go pew pew some guns. <laughs> I'm so excited. Pew pew. Yeah. Pew pew and some guns. And you've never shot a gun. I have. I've never oh. shot a handgun. Handgun. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so that'll be a first time for me. Yeah, that's exciting to me. Is is that? Um, and then, uh, then there's a Super Bowl on Sunday. Um, the big game. We're not authorized to call it Super Bowl. Real oh yeah how everyone always says the big game the big, is that a thing the big game Are you being funny I uh, know I don't pay attention to anything You've never seen one ad and they're like well the big game is coming up uh, it's because they're not officially fa like FanDuel or something one of those one of those online sports are like they they bleep it out every time they mm -hmm. say it and at halftime of bleep it's the lawyers <laughs> yeah um, now that's maybe because they're trying to make money off of it also right that may there might be. I think who, we're going to be okay. Who knows? We're, we're going to make it. <laughs> no, we're fine. <laughs> the other thing that I'm optimistic about is there's going to be 25,000 people in the Super Bowl. Mm. I'm sorry, the big game. Big game. Uh, in the stadium. So that's encouraging to me. We need to get back to that as quickly as it's possible. It's in Florida. It's in Florida, where they've been very open. Open and uh, 
anyways, so that's that's good my safe. good. My bad would be, man, I've made some crappy meals these past no. two weeks. Well, last week when the girls were on, the ladies, I'm sorry, the ladies, when they were on, <laughs> um, that very night I made my own version of like spaghettios but it wasn't like it, it wasn't intentional <laughs> he added a little aluminum well, <laughs> well what it was was we um see what happened was um we I, I made um air fryer meatballs for the first time and they were pretty good and um but also i, I started some sauce and then realized like I, i'm well into this meal and then realized i don't have any uh noodles <laughs> and so I was like, well, I had just been talking to my family about we have this giant box of ramen noodles, like, you know, <laughs> in, in the closet. And I was like, well, I don't need I could use ramen. Not a good thing. Like Ethan would not even eat this meal. Um, it was that so bad. mushy. It was just so bad. And uh, so that that was a loss. And then I, I, I realized tonight, Jay, just how magical. Oh, uh, come on. Summertime seafood is because uh, what'd you make tonight, 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 <laughs> tonight i tried to make um uh, scallops that had been like in this little pouch that was frozen in yeah, my a lot of people say to make frozen scallops because they're, they're but they, frozen they've fresh. probably been in for like a year in oh my, in your freezer in my freezer oh. and then so i put them in in the in the you know the wrapping in my microwave and like about three minutes into uh, you know uh defrosting them th- oh why would the yeah. microwave well and not only that, but like the, the the packaging on the packaging was like a label, and that started to catch fire. <laughs> right there, I, I I probably should have known. Like, let's just. But wait, just, there's more. Oh, wait, you kept going. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I cut it and, and put it into a bowl, and uh, then I and and so like I made them, and they smelled good, and then when oh, I ate them, they were just like bad texture. The taste was okay, but the texture was it was like yeah. Let me go take a chunk of my tire and eat it. Um, you know, and and the fish, the fish that I made, it was a cod, and it wasn't. I mean, it was it was it was okay. I mean, um, so cod, my cod, sure. but it's it's also been in my freezer for maybe a year. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so it wasn't the freshest meal, and like I just realized with sadness that <sighs> this is kind of what the middle of winter seafood <laughs> tastes like in in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, what's up? I, I'm frustrated for you and with you. Oh. But I, and I'm also going to give you some facts, logic, and reason. That's fine. <laughs> Here's what not to do, kids. But no, you know where there's some decent wintertime seafood in Pittsburgh? Community market. Oh, no. Okay. I, I never go to community market. I believe you, though. Always. I was going to say Aldi freezer section. Oh. You can buy a bag of seafood that has scallops, shrimp, calamari, whatever mm. in it. It's, it's not bad. You know, yeah. throw it in. Fry it up or steam it or whatever. Bob, when you make your chipino bags from Aldi, there it is. Nice. There. And then I dress it up with a few other things, a couple fresh, you know, mussels, a couple fresh clams in there. Sounds delightful. But it's basically the you got, bag from Aldi. Yeah. I thought you went to Woolies to get the frozen. You go to Aldi. I'm, I'm retired now, Jay. Fixed income. Oh, and I, I got to watch. <laughs> I understand. Go to Aldi's. Well, the, the other thing, Chris, in in that I appreciate the uh, the insight there, but the other thing is it's five thirty, and it's like I have no idea what to eat. Let's just look uh, through right. here, and sure. like, oh, all right, well, let's give this a shot. So that's my and it's all, that's that's my bad, and that's also my food. My good is just looking forward to the weekend. Good. I'll start with food in only in mentioning that I also had a very blah food week. Like, just mm-hmm. what's going on with food? 
Yeah, I need, I need a dude, good. We're in the dead of winter in the middle of a COVID yeah. wasteland of it's, a world. It was it was a real blah week for food. So like, I guess that's a bad of sorts. But my bad is is very surface level, but it's just bothering me like crazy right now. We have been below freezing here in Pittsburgh for three years straight. I feel like right now because, um, well, because we have. It's been a lot of days in a row, man. And this is going to be Jay. You're going to be excited. This is I'm, I'm I'm stepping down on the manliness scale here. What my skin? Is that possible? My skin has been <laughs> so dry. Oh no! You just lost your sep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a pain. And then my car's dirty. I can't clean out my car. I can't wash my car. Like it's just it's it's got an inch can't of salt the on the outside of it. Function on your Tesla, <laughs> right? I think that's in the next update. Okay. I don't know. But hey, does yours get recalled? No, those were, mm. I think, older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Not yet, anyway. But, um, yeah, so just, so, I don't know, the cold weather and just the, the days and days of it. And my, my humidifier in my bedroom at night, uh, yeah. just working overtime. Like, <laughs> oh, so wait, your skin's dry and you're rocking a humidifier. That's right. That's right. So you got like swamp floor over by the humidifier. <laughs> your cat's all cuddled up next to it, getting all swamp floor <laughs> by the humidifier and like, you know, snake skin. scales on on my arm. So yeah, uh huh. Gosh, it's all it's all real. No it's looking good in my house. No wonder hey. your dog's all messed up. <laughs> How's school going for you? School is okay. Yeah, yeah, that could be a good actually because um, I'm glad that you're doing that. I'm glad that you are in person because there's such a fight right now. Like these kids need to be back in school. Sure. And I'm so glad that you are 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 doing that because man, like. You know, you like up until now, you're like, ah, school, whatever. But like the kids need it so bad. So I'm, th- I, I appreciate you doing that. And I'm, I applaud you for that. Besides being a retired brigadier general chaplain, Chris is not that. He is none of those things. Um, oh, you're talking about Bob? Yes. Oh, okay. Bob was a, is a licensed or licensed or sir degreed school psychologist. Yes. I was a psych- yeah, school psychologist while I was a drilling reservist i worked here at presley ridge in pittsburgh oh yeah presley ridge did some other places and then i w- went to afghanistan came back to presley then decided i went back in the army hmm. and as an back educator in the army. back in the army okay i can't wait to hear all this right back in the army what are your thoughts on kids in schools and everything else i assume like is it a an essential it's important yeah i mean it's the idea that with socialization they get to play games with each other they get to talk with each other they get to those things that are they call that developmentally appropriate that you don't do by watching the screen all the time mm-hmm. you need to be with people yeah people it, are meant to be people it got so bad that my kids both were like please can you put me back in school and like mm. ethan came to like uh, about three right. weeks abby that makes sense abby that makes sense she she literally i was putting her to bed one night and she and this is not to derail from our food and stuff but she i was putting her to bed one night and she was like i need human interaction those are exact words as <laughs> i'm putting nine, nine. this nine-year-old to bed <laughs> and then ethan uh, and then so like she started on the track to go back to school and i was like e what do you think and like you know he's he's got his banging computer machine and like it, just in his basement like he could just do whatever he wants and I was like, so what do you think, bud? Do you want to go back to school? He's like, yeah, right. Not a chance. And then like three weeks later, he's like, can you please put me back in school? And, and he we- found mold in between like his elbow. <laughs> <crease>. <laughs> so we have him. He started going back on Thursdays and Fridays. Abby's going on, on Mondays and Tuesdays. And then hopefully over within the next month, they're going to be both going four days a week. So right. I'm just, but it's just amazing to me with this dichotomy of the kids, like, please put me back in school. Anyways, Chris, 
yeah. applaud you. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, and and that's been going well. Thanks. Um, and we actually, it's funny you say that because, well, these were not COVID virtual days, but weather mm-hmm. virtual days right. um, this past Monday and Tuesday. And um, they were our first virtual days in a while. But um, even those went well. So it's like, oh, everything's going going nice. So I will give you one more good, and that is church worship team i feel like it's both on a on a personal level but also on a team level um i feel like we've started out the new year right strong yeah different direction yeah trying Mm -hmm. some new things and um in fact bob's wife mary lynn it has Mm -hmm. joined us on keyboard so that's a big bonus and and plus for us and and she's leading us on the uh, message board a number of emojis right (laughs) (laughs) and she will be here what two weeks two weeks so she's gonna clean up there's a teaser there's a teaser that is awesome right yeah, so and I agree. I, I agree, man. It's been it's been really fun to progress a little bit and and try some different things, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. For me, um, and this happens very often. What's good is bad, and what's bad is good. And that is, I, I had a meeting this evening before I came here with a guy, and um, I, I meet with a lot of people, and I, I hear a <laughs> lot of stories, and, I, and I've never heard his story or a story like his. Wow. And it, I was so so. What's good is. I'm just so honored that he would share that with me. You know, we don't know each what's other his, that well. What's his name? Oh, well, and, that and, was, uh, uh, yeah. Well, let me tell you the story. No. But what a story. And the fact that he would be willing to share it with me mm-hmm. and trust me. And and I told him I was going to talk about it. No, I'm just kidding. But um, it, it's just an honor. And so that's what's good, that I can listen to people and, and be there for them and, and speak some real truth while comforting. Mm-hmm. You know, like... You want to comfort, but you also want to make sure you get a little bit of, you know, what they came for because they didn't come for comfort, right. you know. Mm. But then also what's bad is everybody's stories. Mm-hmm. You know, when you hear the stories and you sit there and you go like, not not the person I met with today, but somebody I met with recently. And, you know, it's it's a husband-wife situation and, and you're just sitting there and you're like, so you need each individually hours of counseling and therapy. Mm-hmm. Then maybe... Once you've healed from both of your lifetime of hurts, the two of you have a shot, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how many people go through that and, or find the right, you know, so there's a lot of hopelessness, mm-hmm. you know, that you sit there and you go, man, it's a it's a road you got to go on, mm-hmm. you know. So that's the bad part as well. But still so honored and to have a positive impact, at least in that moment. Um, it's just it's just neat. And that's it's just been interesting to me. We talk about schools being closed or not in person, and we've caught a little bit, not as much as I thought, a flack at the church for being open, you know, but not as much as I thought, because a lot of churches still aren't in person. What's amazing to me is how many people have started to come to church Mm -hmm. who didn't. I think I said the other day, I think it would be hilarious if tomorrow, like, a light switch went on or we got the magic blessing and everybody went back to normal. It'd be funny (laughs) as everyone came back to church, they'd be like, that's my seat. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's my seat. Well, I, I've been here a year and ain't seen you. But um, so lots. Of that so my point is a lot of hurting people, you know, are coming and 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 it's it's been good to be there for them. Food wise, week three of the carnivore diet and oh yeah, physiologically, how are you feeling? Top notch. Yeah, top notch. Energy never, never and, bloated. Yeah, never blo- the bloat. The bloat. Bob, Thank you. Bob understands the bloat mm. in a big way. Mm. No, I mean I'm good. Top notch. Down weight. You know, I'm down like, like nine at this point, maybe 10 wow. pounds in 10 or 16 days, which isn't really even the goal. Mm-hmm. But 
it's funny. Like, I'm not that hungry. Like, last night, it was like, well, I've only had two meals today. I should probably have a third. I don't know. So, mm-hmm. huh. But it's all good. I'm all good. But what's really good is the fact that we don't only have one guest here today. In essence, we have two. Because on the one hand, we have retired Brigadier General Chaplain Robert F. Plushkowski. Mm-hmm. Well, we also got Bob. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, depending on who you are, people that are listening in who know, oh, geez, Bob, did you look at the thing over here? Look, oh, it's not even on there. Mike Pleshkowski is listening. Oh. Uh-huh. Hi, Mike. Uh, Thanks, bud. Yep. I feel like that <laughs> Mike, was layered with Mike, anything we need layers. to add, just go ahead and send in a question or a comment. <laughs> but that's sort of the point. We have an esteemed, I mean, freaking brigadier general with mm-hmm. us. And yet... Some of the best advice he's ever given is on a Southside bar next to Marty or Phil or Sal, just as Bob. Mm-hmm. And so we're excited to hear from him tonight. Bob, introduce yourself. Just give us a little bio, a little description of why you're here, who you are, what your story is. Well, it's uh, Bob Pliskowski. I'm Jay's brother-in-law. So that's the m- main reason why I'm here. That's a good connection. Uh, <laughs> And we've known each other forever for a long time, right before Mary Lynn and I got married. Shared a Jay, bunk bed. Jay and I were roommates. Not uh, just the two of us. Buddy, the, uh, the dog and I had the bottom bunk. <laughs> we got to be very, very close friends at that. But uh-huh. we, that just shows that we have a very long connection and mm-hmm. family connection. We actually own that house now that the, fa- that the Jay's family and Mary Lynn grew up in. Oh, What year? What, we moved in? <sighs> No, I'm saying like when were you know when were we bunk mates? I mean, we're 85, going five, eighty six. Yeah, so eh, forty. Oh, I just want to go back to those thirty eight years. years ago, thirty nine <laughs> years ago, just like yesterday, just like it's weird because I'm only twenty eight. Huh, interesting. <laughs> and my waist used to be twenty. Yeah, we won't go there. <laughs> no, um, I had a lot of other jobs. I was a parish priest for a while. Then I went into mental health, and I was a counselor and a therapist with Trouble Kids in Ohio. Oh, Van Wert, Ohio. Van Wert, Ohio. The last little dot in Ohio on Route 30. Hmm. We lived there for about two, two and a half years, and we missed Pittsburgh. So we came home, and Maryland's parents moved to Florida, and we moved right into the house. Hmm. So we've kind of been like the stable or the, the old regime of the family, just holding those ties together, even though it's a very, very close family. And everybody would do that on their own, no matter where they were. But it's important to have the house. Um, a friend of mine from seminary says, why aren't you a chaplain? He was an Army chaplain in the Army Reserves. And he kept telling me, why aren't you doing this? And I says, because I don't want to. <laughs> he said, no, you should do it. I never really thought about it. So he invited me over and over to go visit the soldiers that were drilling on the weekend out in uh, Oakdale. Mm-hmm. near Coriopolis. So I'd do that a couple times and, oh, I kind of like this. And Marilyn, I probably owe you a dollar for repeating the story because I, I, I think I tell a story, <laughs> but if you add a little bit to it, it's a better story. <laughs> so Marilyn goes, how did that go this week? And I said, I'm not sure. I signed some papers and I think I joined the <laughs> army. It didn't really happen that way, but I'm going to tell it that way. because I think story. it's a good story. And I was typical. I worked as a, at Presley Ridge. I worked at Wales, a couple of different organizations, filled in in parishes part-time, did the Army typically one weekend or three or four days during the month, did the two weeks training, did all those things. Now, are you enlisted at this point? No, I was an officer. Okay. All right. As a chaplain, you come in, you finish your seminary degree, you oh, have okay. your master's in divinity, mm-hmm. and you have to have parish experience, pastor experience. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
And so at that point, then I got mobilized in 2003 and four, started out of Texas, hmm. went to New York at Fort Drum, and then spent the rest of the time in beautiful, sunny Afghanistan. So when wow. you said you got mobilized, you were full time at that point? Army? Yeah, I got a, a notice in the mail saying you have been ordered to report to active duty. Wow. So huh. there was a lot of things. A lot of troops when the war was starting to go, just getting started. Mm-hmm. So in 2003, we were, I got sent to Afghanistan, mm. while a lot of other folks went to Iraq or different places. So I spent a year on active duty doing that. So that was your first active duty? First active duty experience. Ah, huh. okay. I don't think I knew that. I mean, you get time on school, you do two weeks at a time, you do smaller snippets of that. But that was a solid year. And the heroes at home, Mary Lynn, Matthew, Michael, and the whole village taking care of everything while I was doing what I was doing. So your first real, I don't say real, in-depth, you know, if we're talking, this is the title of this as a career of comfort. The first applied comfort, for the most part, was in Afghanistan. Yeah, and and, get, and getting ready for it. Sure, learning and everything else. Learning for No, talking to the folks that... Chaplain, that's the thing, is you, you could be a, a lieutenant, a captain, or a general. Every chaplain is just chaplain. <laughs> Chaps, padre. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a rabbi, and we'll call you padre. <laughs> but it's that you are the pastoral caregiver for a group of soldiers, mm-hmm. typically a battalion or so, anywhere from 500 to 1,000 soldiers, give or take, mm-hmm. will have one chaplain. <laughs> and they could be every flavor of Christian denomination, non-Christian, other mm-hmm. faith groups, no faith groups. Yeah. But that's who you provide that care and comfort and be there with them. How much of that is organizational and how much of that? And my point is like, okay, Monday nights, we're going to do this. You know, if you want to show up or how much of it is just answering the call when they need you? A little bit. All, 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 all both. Right. You know, you have some structured activities and things you do. And we call it mop. You mop the floors. Ministry of presence. Ah. Where you just go where they go. Uh, it could be, you know, I worked with a, a unit that was an asphalt paving crew. Mm-hmm. So I paved roads with them for two days. Then they asked me if I joined them for a third. I said, nah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got the experience. I'll, I'll catch you guys a little later. You know, Paving asphalt in Afghanistan, huh? That's a little, little hot. A little hot. Yeah. Wow. But, but you just do different things. The chaplain goes where the soldiers go. Right. And does exactly what they do except for fire a weapon. Hmm. And how much of the ministry happens and, and comfort and whatever else happens when you're pushing the the asphalt machine versus a sit down? Like, did, did you have a lot of those conversations where nobody's going to come up to you or they a person might not come up to you and say, chaplain, I need help. But because you're in their presence and you knew that they knew you were available, that they would say something on the side. Exactly. That's it. It's more the idea you're there with them, you know. Mm-hmm. Joining them. You're joining them where they are. Literally, you're joining them where they are. You know, it's dark. Why are we up? Because we have to run. Oh, I wouldn't do that with my parish back home, but I'll do it with you guys. It's a lot of fun. But, you know, you do that. You train with them. You you do physical training with them. They go in the range and shoot. You go with them. You comfort them and you calm them. I used to tease people. I said they couldn't, if they could shoot very well. And fire very wise, and they want to be my religious affairs specialist. <laughs> my son, who would kind of walk with me. Oh, yeah, because you always had a person. I had a person because I didn't carry a weapon. So mm-hmm. I'm, if they fired really well, I said, do you want to change and take on this job? <laughs> yeah. And if they couldn't shoot real well, I'd try to call them and pray with them and ask them if they wanted to come with chaplain and send them seminary applications. <laughs> <laughs> but it got them, to, again, broke their mm-hmm. tension. Distracts. and got, got them to do a little bit. But I was out there with them. 
do you um did you have to I, i'm sure some people obviously came to you freely but did you was there a overwhelming sense of, i mean you got these macho guys right and you know and 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 ladies in the service you know that they're struggling right you know that they're 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 all going through things were you ever on kind of the offensive or was it just more of a here's my role i'm going to join you if you decide to come over you know to, to discuss things with me i'm there everyone said to get that you need to go see the chaplain today uh-huh. we're going to make time and you need to go speak to this person you know, speak to your chaplain mm-hmm. or someone say chaplain you're out walking around and talking to folks make sure you stop a little extra with mm-hmm. sal Sal, yeah. private so and so, sergeant so and so, not doing so well, and just yeah. we're not sure, but mm-hmm. you know, but you know, they always learned to talk about people that the rest of the army couldn't take time for. Hmm. You know, you really tried to learn really hard, but this is back in the old days before smartphones had the little address books that you used to get. Mm-hmm. You know, for phone numbers, put a name, wife's name, husband's name, dog's name at home, how many kids, mm-hmm. just hmm. little tidbits that show. Uh, he remembered. Mm-hmm. Somebody cares. Somebody cares. Someone right. took oh. time to notice. Right. And even the big macho guys, they wanted to be noticed too. But sure. not only for being big and tough. Right. right. But just as a as a human being mm-hmm. outside the uniform. And so you get thrown, you know, into training, into Afghanistan, into a world that I can't fathom. And I mean, I, I know at your retirement ceremony, uh, General, what was his name? Harder. Bob Harder. Harder. Said that he made you go to sleep because you'd been up for like 48 hours or something oh, like no, that. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, no, that was a different job. But same. Oh, different. Chaplain, you look like hell. You need to sleep. People, right. people won't come to you if you look that way. Mm-hmm. You need to rest. <laughs> That's a great line. Chaplain, you look like hell. <laughs> but my point is, I can't fathom what you went through in the, in the, in the, the comfort needed because they're not only, um, I don't know, at war. But they're so far removed. You know, you talked about the impact of FaceTime and things like that. But then you come home and your job begins to change. Yes. That means you're not in active duty anymore. No, no. I finish up, come back and go back to Preston Ridge and do psyche vows. Oh, so, you, so even then you're still Presley Ridge. Yeah. Came back went to Presley Ridge, went back and did you know, a couple weekends a month, part time, you know, military service. But it got on my skin. It, it got to me. Yeah, we well, believe you know the part of being a chaplain isn't necessarily that you, this is a job you do. It's truly a vocation. Mm-hmm. That that's something God has called you to do or to serve people in that area. And once I got a taste of it, and God showed me a little bit of it, He kept tugging my heart mm-hmm. that way. Huh. Kept saying, "You you need to get back into this." Mm-hmm. And about a year, I got back in two thousand four and two thousand six. I was back on active duty. And I pretty much stayed on active duty until I retired. Yeah, it's not easy to acquire the uh, rank of general. So you you were in for, what, 2003, you said, to when did you retire? Well, I actually came in 91, December oh, okay. of 91. Okay. So it was almost just a hair under 29 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, You started in the reserves in 91. December of 91, I picked my hand up. Wow. <laughs> I would have failed that test as well. It's a good thing we had. It's good to it's good to meet That's you, like Bob. You don't hey, even Jay, know nice him. to see you. <laughs> it's good. Thank to, you. It's good to get to know who you are. And so from there, you went where in ninety three or in two thousand six, whatever you said when you signed the army up. sent me. I went to Wichita, Kansas. Yes, mm-hmm. the Kansas days. The Kansas days. I sp- typically go on active duty. It's two to three years at your first assignment. I was there maybe sixteen months. Mm-hmm. Then they moved me to Atlanta, Georgia. 
Nicer than Wichita. Army Reserve Command, and then they moved me up to D.C. And so uh, when you're in Wichita, you're at an Army base. It's an Army Command. It was right up. It's funny. It's right next to McConnell Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. And they had the fence line for the Air Force Base and a little indentation. And the Army <laughs> building was outside the wire just so we wouldn't be with the Air Force folks. Huh. We didn't want to, you know, down, you know. You didn't want to get too soft. We didn't want to get too soft. And <laughs> they didn't want us to contaminate their standard of living, you know, the soldiers. <laughs> yeah. And so, so it's a command. So how many people there? Well, it's the headquarters. So that oversaw at that time about about eight states worth of oh. reserve soldiers. Wow. And that headquarters building maybe had about 200 folks that worked there at the time. So your primary job at that point in time is taking care of those people and overseeing the rest of the reserves? Or how does that work? I'm looking at all the other units, or they called it, in our footprint you know, mm-hmm. that, that worked with us and under us. Mm-hmm. And my job was to really coordinate activities with their local chaplains, that they have the resources they needed, that they had the books, mm-hmm. the materials, the computers, the duty days, because they're part-time Army Reserve. You know, you need extra days to get paid to go do what you need to do with your soldiers. And so at that point in time, it's really different than being in Afghanistan, dealing one-on-one with soldiers and everything else. Now it's sort of administrative. Yes. Still provide that direct care to the people in that building. Okay, so there's 250 people. And we still go out on the road a lot and would do what they call them yellow ribbon events. When soldiers are getting ready to leave or come back home from deployments, they had different things to help with working with them and the families, to help reunify them, get them used that their soldiers and families are back together. Mm-hmm. You know, the big thing they say, it's because someone leaves, the other spouse is responsible for the whole house mm-hmm. by themselves, and invariably things break. Things don't work the way they used to, mm-hmm. and they gave the one line is be careful your spouse is going to become much stronger and much more independent mm-hmm. than when you left them mm-hmm. yeah dear i love you very much that's the thing that barry <laughs> lynn is strong as they picked she even grew and became much more st- stronger much more independent being able to handle those things because she had to right and the more she they could do that it was easier for the soldiers then to focus on what they had to do down field down range mm-hmm. yeah an officer's wife. I mean, it's no joke. My my father in law is a retired brigadier general from the Air Force, um, <laughs> and and just hearing the stories that um, I mean, he spent a year in Greenland uh, at Thule Air Force Base, but he couldn't bring his family. So you know that the 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 grit that your spouse gets, the things that they have to take on, and then you know your effect. You're you're that's always in the back of your mind if you're away or or you know you know that they're taking on other roles that. Yeah, maybe, you know, that, that, that would have been your role if you didn't have this career, this vocation, like you said. So does that weigh on you as, as you're doing your ministry and you're, you know, fulfilling your role? Is that in the back of your mind weighing on you trying to balance your spinning plates at home? You know oh, exactly. I mean? They talk about the idea that everyone sees, oh, thank you for your service. Thanks for your service. Mm-hmm. But it's the service that the, the whole family, that the family mm-hmm. does because they sacrifice more and more. So that we had the privilege of, you know, wearing that uniform and doing those things. But the family has to take care of everything Mm -hmm. and be willing to let go, let go of you so you can go do those things. That's the hardest part, you know, if it's I know from watching the podcast Mm -hmm. or listening is the the do better pieces Mm -hmm. of being do better for your family. Because the the hard part is when you give in your caregiver, you got to remember, save something in your tank for the family. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you catch yourself of, you know, the snippiness or the 
I'm tired and don't want to do this or talk about. It happens with the family, with the people you love most, but your tank's empty because you mm-hmm. gave. And that was a big thing. We had, I know I had to learn and work harder at all the time. And so, well, and so that became, I don't want to jump too far ahead because then you, as you got more responsibilities, you were in charge of more and more chaplains. Yes. Yes. And, and so that is something that you were able to teach them because sometimes those who give are the worst, like you said, at home. Um, what else happened? What else did you learn that you were able to teach the other chaplains as far as like to, to be the best they can at their job, but also at home? Does that make sense? I had all of it. Well, <laughs> these to be called chaplain assistants, not religious affairs, but you know, the enlisted person that works with the chaplain right. would always work hard because uh, put on my calendar, call home have lunch with Mary Lynn, do something with the boys. Because that sometimes if it wasn't on the calendar... You don't get it done. It, it, it gets on a back burner. So would you teach the chaplains to make sure their religious affairs assistants or whatever put that into kept, their calendars? Kept an eye on them. One story was we had our we had a dog, Mo, who was a Shih Tzu. Oh, poor Mo. Poor Mo. Sorry. And then he lived... For a while, then he came down with us. And if Mary Lynn wasn't home with me, and she was back in Pittsburgh or traveling, I had Mo with me, I'd go home for lunch every day. To visit the dog, take him for a walk, have lunch with him. Mary Lindsay, wherever I am in Alexandria, Virginia, I took lunch, ate it at my desk. <laughs> and it was sad. And my son, again, my NCO, my religious specialist, sir, you're treating your dog better. <laughs> and it's an eye opener because sometimes you get mm-hmm. so caught up doing work or doing God's work or doing whatever work you're called to do, and you forget your first calling. Mm-hmm is to be a good husband or to be a good wife or, you know, be a good family person. And you got to remember that part. The the uniform goes away. Right. Hmm. When you were talking earlier um, about the yellow ribbon ceremonies or ceremonies? Events, classes, ceremonies. And that's both going out and coming back. Yeah. It seems like, you know, as I talked about my story of, boy, there's just so much and you can only do so little. Like, was it rewarding to do that or did you always wish you could do more for those families who are saying goodbye to a, a family member or to get the enlisted person, the soldier coming back in, you know, what was it like, how much impact could you have on those moments or was it very often you felt sort of not helpless, but like that you couldn't do enough? All of the above. I mean, the idea is you do what you, you, you got to really start to accept the fact that you can do what you can do. Mm-hmm. You do what you can. But, you, you know, you, you may just be planting seeds for somebody else, and they'll do the work later. The Army is a very fluid, just like the Air Force, very fluid organization. You know, on the active duty side, people move every two years. Mm-hmm. So their natural support bases disappear, and they have to make new ones or acquaintances and friends or learn how to keep in touch or to learn who they can trust to open up with. Mm-hmm. So you just, you know, you really... Try to do what you can with the time you have. Well, that's a very biblical. Mm-hmm. And again, you are a chaplain um, and teaching other chaplains, but it's a very biblical mindset. You know, some plant, some sow, some harvest. You know, you have to trust that you've done what God has called you to do. You've done the best you can. And God's going to provide somebody else, hopefully, to pick up the pieces elsewhere. I, the hard part, again, you just have to do that ministry of presence. You know, Just mm-hmm. be where you're supposed to be. You know, don't think of what your next assignment's going to be. Don't look back and say, oh, I miss when I used to be in Kansas or I used to be at, you know, Fort Bragg. Well, I'm here at Fort Jackson today and God wants me here. 
What am I supposed to do? Mm. And tell me about you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, Mallory Ruling Hodge, the rulings of all, or however you say their last names, I've always been proud to know Mr. Pleshkowski and the whole family since kindergarten in 1995. I remember so much of his career growing up with his boys. So shout out. Good old Evan's sister. They're good. My s- and she spelled Pleskowski correct. Well, she could. There's not many people that could. <laughs> my older son, Matt, went to school with Mallory and Michael. Oh, okay. My younger son, he golfed with Evan. They yes. played ba- and also played baseball together. And to this day, the only time I've ever golfed against Evan was Michael and myself against Evan and Matthew. And uh, we won, and I told Evan I'm never playing against him again. Smart move. He's a uh, – he won, didn't he, the Longview Club Championship? Mallory, correct me if I'm wrong. I know you've won three or four in a row on the women's side. But alas, this is not – although we could have them on at some point in time. This is not the rulings podcast at this point in time. <laughs> no, but, you know, there's a little segue with that. You know, families like the rulings and yep. other families in Penn Hills, they're the support bases that helped keep our family together while either I was away or Mary Lynn and I were away. You know, just keep the boys stable, keep everybody else – not just the Mitlow clan, but you know, it really worked out really well. Yeah. So that brings up a, a question that I had, and we talk about our emotional needs, and there's ten primary emotional needs. What you know, support, security, appreciation, um, uh, acceptance, belonging, all of these things. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to, to to look those over or or to study them, but you've talked about support quite a few times. Um, you know, my question is. Without really, you know, being an expert on the emotional needs, what would you say that w- some of the highest, like, or most common traits are um, of of that life? Would it be something support? Would it be a need for security? Would it be a need for acceptance? Would it, you know, what would you say would be a trend that you would see or that you need or experience in your own life? I mean, looking at that and looking at the soldiers I've been with and their families, you can say yes to every single sure. one of mm-hmm. them. And it could be an, you know, emotional need du jour. <laughs> and it could vary with that same individual day by day. You know, the military is a huge organization. You know, you're, you can get lost in the sauce, as they say. You know, you get moved. You, these things happen with sometimes not as much regard as you think should be for your family or what you need individually. You just do where you go where the needs of the Army trump everything. Mm-hmm. So for that, you know, there may be an opportunity. People need to be accepted. Mm-hmm. People need to be recognized. And sometimes just that little bit. And it may not be able, but at that moment, their needs going to be very, very specific. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because my wife, again, my wife, again, just like you were saying, every two years, every three years, we we realized after we got married, we got married. Um, she was twenty one, and I, we realized after we moved in that she had moved uh, fourteen times in nineteen years. In her like first nineteen years of her life, she moved fourteen times, and one of her her biggest need. One of her biggest needs is acceptance, you know, and like she because she moved so much, that was something where she was always making new friends. And like you were saying, it's how do you how do you learn how to trust somebody? Where do you where do you get that? And for her, it was her mom, you know, and, and so I feel like that's probably a, a similar theme in, in that world is you have to find somebody close to you. And that's why the family is so important. And that supports there within the family a lot of times. And that's why your job is so vital. You know, someone has to do it. Someone has to take right. the time to see the people as individuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow, that's ex- a great that's a great statement. Acceptance is mm-hmm. big because, again, when you move, you know, you can talk about being alone in the midst of everything mm-hmm. and you could get lost. And 
lot of families now they don't always live on base or on post they live out in the communities mm-hmm. you know, in the outside area and it's sometimes hard to feel connectiveness right mm-hmm. it's nice to have your own place and not be on the base however however built in on base everybody knows hey we're all going to be moving let's build our own sense of community while we're here knowing that mm-hmm. this is your place this is your house for two years right and someone I, else will be in it two years from now she, she talks a lot about those block parties you know on the base and and just how you know everybody's in it together you know um because they're all on that journey together and that's the part where i think you, you look at things with encouragement or comfort because they're the families that are they're going through the exact same thing mm-hmm. you know someone's going away for a long time mm-hmm. other people out in the community civilian sectors just don't understand what that's like mm-hmm. right they go oh yeah my husband went on a business trip for like four days right oh those <laughs> are brutal <laughs> right exactly and but, but it's a totally different thing because it's not always planned for it can happen sporadically you can think you're getting an order and you're going to go your next assignment you're going to be in fort bragg north carolina and you get the movers come they start to pack up your things and then all of a sudden you get another piece of paper or an email that says Change oh. in plans. Right. You'll mm. love Fort Drum, New York, mm-hmm. or other places, mm-hmm. Germany, or I mean, it, you know, mm-hmm. so it's you know, it's that kind of flexibility, and it's an odd world, which mm-hmm. pertains to all of everything. You know, imagine security. Oh yeah, we're moving to North Carolina. Oh okay, great. We're moving to New York. Oh right. Oh wait, you might stay another year. Right. Mm-hmm. And we don't know when we're leaving. And it happens. They, they, they're trying. I'll be really honest, and you know, plug on there. The, the current chief staff of the army has one of his mantras is people first mm. and really trying to make things differently that the human needs are being addressed and recognized and kind of dovetail them and make sure they fit in with what the needs of the army you know you want to get a win-win situation and that's special and rare correct you haven't experienced that it over happened. Your... no it does happen but i'm saying the point is you're pointing it out but to hear it spoken that's openly at the highest levels right. And trickle down, and hopefully then down at the lowest level, it's put into action. Yeah. So, Brian, as you talked about the emotional needs, Bob, you brought up what I think is a really special point, is that it isn't they need any one of these. The number one thing is they feel alone very often. And that, you know, like you said, I remember your story. I remember your your daughter's name. You know, your story is important that you don't get lost, would you say, in the wash or in the sauce, in the sauce, sauce, lost in the sauce and making them feel like an individual. That's such a huge statement. And that's what no matter whether you're in the army or not, people go through life, which is why we have this podcast feeling alone Mm -hmm. and that Bob's mission is to make sure they feel recognized that they don't feel alone. And part of his M.O. in doing that is being present. Mm-hmm. And the too often we think, oh, I want to have an impact on the world. I want to have an impact on the world. And you talk to the same three people every day of your life. Mm-hmm. You can have an impact on those three people. But if you're not available and in their world, you're not going to have an impact on the rest of the world. And that's why I think no matter what, like you just said, they feel alone when those needs aren't met. And if you can help join them and connect them either with somebody else or just yourself, then they their needs are met and they don't feel as alone. You know, what helps that a lot is, is a chaplain military chaplain has what's called absolute confidentiality Mm -hmm. it's nowhere else in the military it's if i come to see you as a chaplain as a chaplain this is something chaplain business it goes nowhere right because the united states asks you about it and you go sorry sorry can't tell Mm -hmm. but but that that, there's that level of trust there's that security where nothing's going to come back and bite them that they can admit their fears 
where they feel they can't reach the standard or certain that are bothering them, you know, behavioral health or drugs and alcohol or other kind of things that they need to get this hurdle help to get out of a bad space. Mm. Chaplain may not have this all the skill set to do the counseling, but can really listen and pay attention. And get it out of their heads. Get it out exactly. into somebody else's. And say, let's see what we can do with this. And when you don't freak out, they're sort of comforted and assured. Because they yeah. think, oh, if anybody knew my story, oh, they would never look at yeah. me the same again. And when you see them the next day and say, hey. And again, see them and talk to them just like you did every other day before you heard right. before you heard the story. And that goes to something you always talk about is um, you have to earn the right to be heard. Mm-hmm. And so joining somebody building that that relationship on hey let's go out and move some asphalt in afghanistan and then out of that comes that man if i tell this person this i'm good with that because now i you know again they've seen me as an individual and i can respect that you know it's our society is such a wham bam kind of a thing and we just want okay who's going to take advantage of me what are they trying to sell me um you know and and i think that it's hard to be vulnerable when you don't have that trust. And so, like, you know, that's that's just that's a good point that you make is that you're right alongside them, earning that trust and, and earning the right to be heard by them. Do that. And part is they say you do our current chief Jeb's thing is we're here to take care of the soul of the army, mm-hmm. which is a powerful statement. The physical piece, there's there's doctors, there's nurses, there's behavioral health folks. But the soul of an individual is precious. It's such a great line. And the only people who can do that are people that understand religion, spirituality, pastoral soul issues. Things. Soul, mm-hmm. yeah, soul man, your soul man. <laughs> but, you know, but you know, it's that kind of a thing. And to go out and you know, one of my mentors is, would you simple go out and love your soldiers? Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you like everything they do. I think mm-hmm. you mentioned that earlier. Don't gotta like anybody. You gotta poke them. You gotta comfort them. But you also gotta help them. And, and that may not always just be pure comfort, but it may be offering other opportunities or to think about things that they don't want to think about, mm-hmm. but to go out and love them. As we, I don't say conclude, but one thing I definitely want to talk about sens- sensitively, sensitively um, is Gold Star families. And those are families, uh, right, who have lost a child or a family member uh, in battle. And you have events for them. Is that correct? Yes, we do. Tell me, is that the most rewarding thing to come alongside those families? Is it like to me, what an honor and how heavy and daunting that must be to host and run those events. It's one of the most humbling atmospheres I've ever been in. Um, I did one event here in Pittsburgh already since I retired Hmm. with a small group of Gold Star parents. But for the past few years down at Fort Benning, Georgia, Every year around 9-11, they rededicate a wall similar to the Vietnam War wall, but they have a wall and they list everybody that was killed in action. And every year they rededicate it and add new names to it. We're there, and I can't remember the exact number. We may have, there may have been 300 individuals there, maybe 125 families represented. And they all had a story. And they had a picture. And they had a book. Hmm. And their biggest thing was, they didn't want their loved one to be forgotten for what they did and to be appreciated for that sacrament. They were remarkable. Mm-hmm. Old star families, I find, are the most remarkable. They're, they've gone through the most pain. Sure. And it may take them 
years and years and years, or they may never, ever, ever truly come, become accepting of it. Mm-hmm. But to hear their stories and how they want to talk about their lost loved one and, and, what, they, and what they've done with it, how they've tried to do things to help others that are suffering. It's uh-huh. just absolutely amazing and absolutely humbling. And what you do, you sit with them, you listen, you cry, and you hug them. And that's all you do. And it feels like there's not a there's not enough of you in those moments. Because I'm sure there's many families there. And like you want to hear every story and you want to cry with everyone. And you only have so many minutes, hours, and tears to offer. Oh, then the, they make you feel better. Then they're upset because you feel upset. Right. Oh, Talk my. about folks that can hmm. join you where you are. Right. It's a gold star family, family person that they can they are the most sensitive folks I've ever met as a collective group that they are so in tune to where people are because they've experienced everything. Mm. And is it interesting that you said the number one thing is to make sure that people are noticed when they're, you know, when you're a chaplain and to make sure that the individual doesn't get lost in the sauce. And then in the tragic circumstances, when their life is lost, the families wants what I want to make sure they're remembered. Yep. They want to be known when they're alive and the families want them to be remembered when they've gone. And it's just the importance of the individual and especially an organization as big and great and mighty as the army is, how the individual can be lost and end up being alone. And they don't want their, they don't want to be alone in their loss and they don't want their, their loss to be insignificant. Mm-hmm. Um, what an honor. I can't imagine to oh, have that opportunity. Precious, precious, precious. The one thing the army does with our combat uniforms, you know, if your rank and your name and says you was the only group that there could be people that are in uh, infantry or military police, any of these kind of, they call any military jobs, you don't see who they are in their uniform except for a chaplain huh. who will have the Star of David or the cross or the wheel for the Hindu. Your symbol of faith will be on your uniform hmm. so you can be recognized by your by your troops so they can pick you out all the time to know who you are, where you are. And that's amazing. And as a general officer, if you have those other things on your dress uniform, you take them off except for a chaplain. Hmm. Chaplain always keeps that symbol. This is who you are. And that's, again, that's that mantle that the Army gives you or the calling God calls you to serve no matter what you do. General Harder, he's general, right? Yeah. Harder said also that nobody comes to see the chaplain on a good day. Mm-hmm. That the chaplain only gets to see you on their worst day. And that obviously is draining in and of itself. What is it in the Army like do they put in so that you're healthy? As a chaplain, and I guess that was your job as you became, you know, assistant head of chaplains and all that kind of fun stuff. What, how do they make sure the chaplains are okay? Everybody has a, a supervisory chaplain, maybe not in your unit, who's supposed to kind of be your informal, but your coordinator, your mentor to watch over you. And you're always encouraged to find someone, not in your rating chain, who kind of says, "Are you doing your job?" But who can mentor somebody watch. who doesn't have the authority to punish you per se, or to write you know, or, or to write you up, but just to listen to you. It's kind of be a spiritual director, mm-hmm. depending on your faith tradition. They have those. Um, when I was in a tra- training, just going to annual training up at Fort Indian Town Gap or down APL in Virginia, we had a training accident where one of the soldiers got killed, and the chaplain in another unit on base heard about it and kept checking on me every day as I'd meet with the soldiers just to see how I was trying to keep bandages on me so I could do the work I needed to do. Because mm-hmm. he says, Bobby says, you have to go and minister to them because they know you. You you just went through what they went through. I'll take care of you. You take care of them. Mm. 
And how beautiful is that? I mean, that's exactly we're all connected. We're mm-hmm. all meant to be in relationships. And so there is no island. And you can't do it on your own. Yeah. You mentioned your training. And we've gotten kind of heavy in the last few minutes. I want to lighten it up before we get to our do-betters. Bob, my favorite story is when the guy who was training you, I think in Afghanistan or in preparation to go to Afghanistan, told you about your, your bulletproof helmet. That was in basic training. Oh, that's in basic. Way back when um, chaplains go to basic training. Like other soldiers, it's it's chaplain basic. It's we little comfortable. Okay, so they don't lift weights; not, they lift crosses. It's yeah, a different thing. We're, 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 I'm not in the barracks. They carry Bibles, and you're not you don't carry a gun in service, so there's no like firearms training or anything like no, that. No, but you go through. They still fire over your head, and you do everything else with them without the gun, without the gun, <laughs> without. Oh, it's a gun. It's a weapon. Let me tell you something. No, um, but the one quick thing was, Jones. I can't remember his name. It's chaplains cover your cross. He's a sniper, sees chaplain, shoots chaplain, morale goes down. Mm. <laughs> but the idea was, you know, <laughs> but you got to take care of yourself. You don't want to do things again. If you're going to be a soldier, you're not going to get up and do things stupid just to draw attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. But that's bad. The didn't snipe- you say like to darken it? You know, like, because it was no, shiny. You cover. Never, yeah. Chaplain go down, morale go down. <laughs> but the idea is that, you know, but I looked at that. That's also competence. Also, don't stand up and make yourself. It ain't about you. About you. Yeah. Make it about yourself. Don't make yourself extra visible. Don't make yourself a target mm-hmm. for anything else by doing things you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, don't go it's beyond. It's a great literal and figurative. I never thought humility. of it. This just came out yeah. from this group. I was inspired to share that. Yeah. I appreciate that. that story. Well, you know what? You can't do better than that. You can't do better, but there but are some people. However, there are I bet you have can. some other things for the folks to listen to. <laughs> I I have a do better that I'm so excited about. Should I go first? Do you have a do better or can't do better? I can't do better. So oh, okay. I, I know I've been quiet, but I've just been enthralled yeah. with with uh, the whole interview. I'm I'm I'm, an, I'm a spectator. More of a marine guy himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, marina, marina is more what you are. I might go with seaman. Um, are you can't or um, uh, I have a do better. Go, you can go do better. All right. Uh, California man robs restaurant that refused him service for not wearing the mask. California man on Wednesday robbed a restaurant demanding with a gun only food in return that refused his service for not wearing a mask, according to reports. L.A. County sheriffs are still searching for the suspect. Um, the suspect entered the restaurant without a mask and was refused service. He left and returned with a gun to reportedly demand food. He said, why don't you come over here and tell me to my face, said Robert Gonzalez, a cook at the restaurant. Dang. And he told him again, just put a mask on. And that's where he got mad and pulled out a gun. <laughs> He's pointing a gun at me and just says, put the chicken in the bag, Gonzalez added. <laughs> the suspect reportedly grabbed a couple of takeout orders that were waiting <laughs> that were waiting for pickup and fled out of the back of the building. Um, it reminds me of the uh, the movie Michael Douglas falling down where he, you know, oh, he's just sure. had enough. Yeah, yeah, he just he's like it's the I, end of the line. It's it's ten thirty three. I want my breakfast. Well, no, sir, I'm we sorry, start. sir. We stopped serving breakfast at ten thirty. This guy rocks. Just put the chicken in the bag. He wants the chicken. Yeah. You almost think like what's the guy's name from Dumb and Dumber? Not Jim Carrey. Uh, Lloyd Jeff Daniels, oh, Jeff Daniels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah Lloyd like when he has that realization moment like so as this guy's pointing the gun at him saying just put the chicken in the bag and he's like <laughs> I just heard myself <laughs> I just heard oh, myself I'm so dumb. <laughs> I feel bad you know who else feels bad who's that Alabama man oh that's close to Florida wakes up to woman holding pepperoni and drinking coca-cola in his house 
All right. Sounds um, Dateline Mobile, it's Alabama. Happened to me a couple times so. on Sunday, January seventeenth, <laughs> at approximately eight twenty a.m. Police responded to a uh, Massingale Drive about a burglary. Said a man woke up and noticed an unknown female subject standing in his bedroom, drinking Coca Cola and holding a bag of pepperoni. <laughs> so like out of his not, refrigerator. Like a nineties like Tarantino movie or something. <laughs> hey, the woman told police she was cold and hungry. The man told police he had to physically force her out of his home. <laughs> They located the woman at Berean Baptist Church. Ah, she's a Baptist. Uh, where she was arrested. She's charged with second degree burglary. I think the the creepiest thing about that story, I mean, it's not that she was, okay, cold and hungry and, and just standing needed in the bedroom. She's standing in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> like he wakes she's, up, she's cold, like, hey, hungry, hey, and creepy. Hey. Like, what did she say? Yeah, like, hey, do you guys have any cheese? <laughs> and then he's like, hey. He's like, oh, good morning. Wait. <laughs> But some people can't do better. Listen to this. This is beautiful. <laughs> this is beautiful. Dutch design artist creates light show in a leak field that celebrates farms and... I've already stopped listening. No, 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 no. <laughs> you, we, we got... No. Listen. It's both artistic and utilitarian. So in this leak field, it's a light show that celebrates farms and enhances plant growth. Come on can't do better okay so here dutch designer and artist <laughs> wait there's one guy in this room who said it can't do better four guys looking at each other going oh wait, when's the story uh, 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 here it is i don't get it bob's like i was in afghanistan ministering to soldiers what was this about something being great this is beautiful oh chris i join you man. dutch designer you, you and artist going. don rosegard has turned a field of ordinary leaks into a dazzling light show in celebration of the crops that feed us wait using led light beams the show called Grow is based on photobiological science that has suggested certain combinations of light spectrums can actually raise healthier crops. So I will not read more, but I will say this is why in in my mind this is a, a can't do better. Do tell. Because I love to see a a uh, coming together of something utilitarian and artistic. I love to see like, oh my god, you know, so so they're they're trying to come up with ways to uh, grow crops more efficiently, even adding, you know, lights at night, and somebody does it beautifully. Well, you can't that that specific job. Can't do better. Than you that. can't do better. I, I'm pretty I, partial to the uh, the lightning bugs in the summer. I think that's one of God's greatest creations. Absolutely. But do they grow leeks? The the, the yeah, lightning bugs. Lightning bugs. No, they don't. They do not. Not that I know. Maybe they do. Maybe they have their own little leek fields. It's hard to say. They do their things. They, they, they got something. They, they got stuff going on. <laughs> they just out here. We man. just out here. Hey, we, uh, we, Bob, we have had so much fun with you and seeing a lot of people. You can look over the comments later, whether it be Mrs. Signor, whether it be Aunt Shirley, all the different people saying hi. Bob, I am grateful for you yes. and everything that you've done and everything and everything that you are. Yes. So we're, we're glad you sat with us tonight. Oh, I enjoyed it very much. Thank you good. so much. It was good to see you all again. It was great worshiping with you this past weekend. I heard it was Mitlow family 10. Yeah. Rest, rest of, of congregation 11. 11. Yeah. But they still won. We try. That just means we have to do better next week. I understand. And I also got to fill in one weekend for you too, Jay. That so was a great sermon. So I enjoyed it. So it's, I'm, I'm enjoying the connection. This is one of the great things of why we moved back to beautiful Penn Hills, PA. Sunny. Sunny. Instead of staying in be- hot, sunny, 
Columbia, South Carolina, but it's mm-hmm. just things like this. So I was really happy to be with you guys. Thanks nice. so much. And that's it for episode 101. Please make sure to give us a like or follow on social media and visit us at lunchtime in Rome. While there, take our relational needs questionnaire. Thanks for joining us at the table for lunchtime in Rome. Bye. Bye. I'm joining the army. <laughs> Got to shave that beard, son. <laughs> Bye. Bags from Aldi. So you got like swamp floor over by the humidifier. <laughs> He's got his banging computer machine. You're gonna be a rabbi and we'll call you Padre. <laughs> you got these macho guys, right? And you know, and 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 ladies. And that's where he got mad and pulled out a gun. Put the chicken in the bag.